Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Talking pucks and sticks here on CBS Sports Radio. We don't do enough of it. I said we got to do it tonight. The NHL trade deadline's coming up on Monday. We've already had a couple of pretty big deals leading up to it and find out uh, if we've got more to come or if these are the teams that are ready to make their playoff push. Here to give us some NHL insight is a guy who does it for a living. He's the editor-in-chief of the fourth period and host and analyst for Sirius XM's NHL channel. David Pagnotti joins me on CBS Sports Radio. Dave, been a minute. How you been, bud? I'm good, buddy. I'm I'm doing well. It's uh, it's been a busy day in the NHL trade wise, and and uh, the next whatever forty hours or so should be pretty fun as well. What was the biggest trade that came down today? Uh, we had two big ones. Uh, the, the the biggest was Claude Giroux, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers trading their captain to the Florida Panthers, um, in, in a deal that includes uh, Owen Tippett, a twenty three year old forward that is going to draw into the lineup in in Philly and. A couple draft picks, including a first-round pick, not until 2024, but um, uh, not the the return that I think fans in Philadelphia would have liked. But he had a no-movement clause, and at the end of the day, it ended up being Florida as the primary destination. So uh, he ends up as, as a Florida Panther in the Anaheim Ducks trading one of their stud defensemen, Hampus Lindholm, to the Boston Bruins in a very large trade. And Hampus has... Uh, agreed to an eight-year extension. It's going to be finalized on Sunday, just under $7 million a year on his extension. Okay, I do want to get more in-depth on both of these two trades. I I hear you about Giroux, and I'm sure the Flyers were hoping for a lot more in return. As you correctly pointed out, Claude Giroux kind of directed things because Mm -hmm. if he didn't want to be traded to a certain place, he could have said no. Um, The Flyers have been prepping this for uh, weeks, if not months now, that it only made sense to trade Giroux because they're going nowhere fast. They give him a shot to make a run at a Stanley Cup, and you get some assets back. As you mentioned, to trade the first-round draft pick, which is probably the key element from Flyer point of view, doesn't come till 24 or 25. They get to right. make a choice somewhere down the road that's down the road, and, yeah, you're hoping for some immediate returns. But the Flyers were up against it. I, I'm, I'm okay with this deal because they didn't have the leverage. Giroux had the leverage, and yeah. I don't begrudge him that. If he wants to dictate Florida, he's going to dictate Florida. Knowing that, I thought the Flyers did okay. Yeah, they, look, they did. It's, it's the, the first round pick is top ten protected. So if in that season, if you know the wheels fall off of Florida, and, and this is a team that's built for longevity, they're going to be good for a while. Um, it, it's top ten protected. So if it, if it's within the top ten, Florida keeps the pick, and it, they get Philly gets their pick in, in 2025. But um, you know they, they they wanted a high pick, they got it. They wanted a player, a prospect, or young NHL player that's just starting to hit the cusp. Um, of, of his potential, and Owen Tippett is that player. He 
limited action for the most part with the uh, Florida Panthers this season, put up some decent enough numbers and just tore it up in the AHL with Charlotte. So he's going to be, they're calling him up. He's going to be part of the big club in Philly. Uh, he's 23 years old. He's going to be given an opportunity to earn full-time minutes with, with the Flyers this season. And you're right. He, he, Giroux had the full no move. There were other teams that tried to make something happen here. Uh, the New York Rangers originally tried. Giroux wasn't willing to wave to go there. The Colorado Avalanche were part of it. The Boston Bruins, Carolina to a certain extent as well. And as things started to narrow down this past week, the final decision was his. He decided it was going to be the Florida Panthers, even though it certainly sounds like the other teams were willing to cough up a bigger return. But Claude wanted to go to Florida, and he got his wish. He's a Panther. And I made this prediction on my show in Philly earlier this week. Tell me if you think I'm nuts. I think Claude Drew will be back with the Flyers next year. He's a free agent at the end of this season, and I think they'll bring him back next year because he is a Flyer, and they're doing the right thing by him, letting him compete for a cup this year. But I would not be surprised if he never moves and comes back and uh, resigns with the Flyers after this season. It doesn't happen often. But people like to say, oh, that never happens. No, it does happen from time to time. Not often, and I think it's going to happen in this case. How about you? Yeah, it's, it's definitely a possibility. He, he absolutely loves Philadelphia. He loves the fan base. He loved being a Flyer. It was very important to him to play his 1,000th NHL game with the Flyers on Thursday. He made it a point for that to happen. So, uh, you know, he, they were able to do it. He was able to play, and, you know, they kind of – they just kind of waited things out afterwards. Uh, you know, he, he was he was taken out of the lineup on, on Friday. Obviously, he didn't travel to Ottawa. He wasn't going to be playing tomorrow had he not been traded yet. He, but that thousandth game was very important to him for the legacy that, that he leaves in Philadelphia. I'm sure they will revisit it in the offseason because uh, he will be an unrestricted free agent. And, you know, they'll, they'll kind of explore it from that point on. David Pagnotti from uh, the fourth period and host on SiriusXM's NHL channel, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. All right, uh, I'll be honest. I don't watch as many West Coast games, Anaheim Duck games at 1 o'clock in the morning as I do NBA games. So I know that uh, Lindholm is a very good, highly respected defenseman. That good that the, the, the Bruins would give up a couple of players and three draft picks? Maybe it's because I see the return on the Drew trade and go, wait a minute, the Flyers only got that and the Bruins had to give up this to get that? But as you mentioned, he's signing an eight-year contract, much younger player, a guy you're going to build around going forward. Uh, how much uh, do you think the Bruins had to overpay to get their hands on a top defenseman? Yeah, they, they absolutely did. I mean, this is... You know, this is a player that, excuse me, that um, a lot of teams had a lot of interest in. There were a lot of teams that were knocking on the door trying to see if they can get their hands on this particular player in Hampus Lindholm. You know, Carolina, Toronto, uh, there were the New York Rangers to a certain extent as well. There were other teams that were in on him, St. Louis being another one, that really wanted to get their hands on this guy. He's an all-around defenseman. He's only 28 years old. But the fact that they were able to come to terms on an extension in Boston – made it that much more appealing for the Bruins to cough up a pretty significant return. Of those two players, uh, Vakaninen, uh, Urho Vakaninen, uh, don't ask me to say that again. Easy for Uh, you to say. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, This was a first-round pick in 2017. Um, He started to to get a little bit more ice time with the Boston Bruins this season. He just played in 15 games, but 
you know, that's one player that's a former first-round pick. The Anaheim Ducks get another first-round pick and two second-round picks in subsequent drafts in 23 and 24. This was a big return, but the Boston Bruins were willing to pay it because they've been looking for somebody on that left side on their defensive core ever since Tory Krug left and signed with the St. Louis Blues. So they get their guy. He's got an eight-year extension. That'll be finalized, as I said, at some point on Sunday, uh, just under $7 million bucks a season. And uh, this was a move that they, they wanted to get that caliber defenseman. For them, the juice was worth the squeeze. They make it happen, and they lock him in for the next eight seasons beyond this one. All right, a decent-sized trade uh, day before Lightning picking up Brandon Hagel and giving up uh, a couple conditional first-round picks. Tampa, to me, is one of the better offensive teams in the NHL. What does Hagel add to them for them to take another shot at the Stanley Cup? Well, he provides a, uh, some additional secondary scoring on top of everything that they've got, uh, plus a little bit of jam into that lineup as well. You know, this is, a, this is reminiscent of some of the past deals that they'd made going into their Stanley Cup runs in bringing in Barkley Goodrow from San Jose a couple of years ago and Blake Coleman from Jersey a couple of years ago as well. They gave up first-round picks for both of those guys, and it paid off because that the two of them, along with Yanni Gord, created one of the best third lines in recent memory in the National Hockey League. They won their back-to-back cups. All those guys are gone, and they've been trying to, and it's been working, but they've been trying to kind of bring that back but they've been looking for an affordable guy that is – he brings physicality. He can put the puck in the net. He checks off a variety of different boxes, and he's only 23 years old. He's also signed for two more seasons after this year at only $1.5 million, and he's got 21 goals on the season already. This was a shrewd move by the Tampa Bay Lightning to bring in a player that can really stabilize the bottom six for their group and help them, what they hope, is to go on another run and, and try to win their third in a row uh, in terms of the Stanley Cup. From Chicago's perspective, they told teams, unless you're going to absolutely blow us away with an offer, we're going to hold on to this kid. Because he is, as I said, only 23. Well, they did that. They were able to give up two uh, young players, both 23 as well, along with two first-round picks. This was a, a, a very smart move for Tampa's perspective because it's worked before. They're banking on it happening again. And from Chicago's side of things, I don't see any team that would have turned down that offer. There were a lot of teams that were surprised at the haul that Chicago got. All right. Uh, earlier this month, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we did see a couple of goalies move. Uh, Alex Stalock, uh goes from Edmonton uh, to San Jose, and Michael McNiven goes from Montreal to Calgary. Either one of those needle movers in your mind really upgrade uh, playoff chances and will we see something in the next now down to 30-some-odd hours before the trade deadline with a uh, big-time goalie move in addition to those two? Yeah, those, those two deals were more depth-type moves, more right. you know third-type goalies. If, if one of their backups get hurt, you have a guy that's got a little bit of NHL experience, you can slot them in. Uh, so that, that was more of that depth kind of piece you know, for, for those particular deals. What we are hearing now is that in terms of big-name goalies, Marc-Andre Fleury, is seems like is going to be moving to the Minnesota Wild. Um, a lot of reports earlier this evening about that possibility and checking in with some people. It sounds like they're still firming up that particular deal and trying to get to the finish line on it. Uh, he's making a $7 million cap hit. Chicago's going to have to retain money in that deal. So they're trying to work out not only the, the, the financial structure of how that's going to look, but how's that going to impact the overall return. So Chicago and Minnesota are talking about 
Mark Andre Fleury, and there are a few other goalies that are also being kind of discussed out there. Columbus has Junis Corpusallo, who's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. Detroit has Thomas Grice, also an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. And the New York Rangers have Alex Gorgiev, who has asked for a trade earlier on in the season. That has still been the case, uh, but he's restricted at the end of the season. So there's some controllability there with that particular player. I don't think, uh, as of this, this evening, it doesn't sound like there's more than just some, some chatter going on with respect to the Rangers and Gorgiev. But the other two guys, Corpusallo and Grice, they might be, there's a possibility they might be on the move beyond Marc-Andre Fleury. Vegas is another team trying to see how they can get an affordable goalie to help them down the stretch as Robin Leonard tries to heal up from a couple injuries. All right. Most teams have 19, 18, 19, some 20 games left in the season. So there's still a goodly amount here to play in the year. Um, Colorado, for me, has been the best team in the NHL all year. Sorry, Panther fans. You're close, but I'd give a slight (laughs) nod to Colorado. Um, And they seem to be the best team in the West by a goodly amount as well. Uh, The East looks like you got a couple of teams, uh, like Florida, like Tampa, because they've been there, done that in Carolina, and even Pittsburgh. I'd put in that mix. And I should put the Rangers in the mix, too, because they've been pretty damn good. Uh, agree with me that the coming out of the East is going to be more difficult than coming out of the West? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's, you know, above and beyond the Colorado Avalanche are the, the top of that class in the Western Conference. And in the East, yeah, I mean, it's a tough one. You've got Florida and Tampa, like you said, the, the Carolina Hurricanes leading the way in the Metropolitan Division. Pittsburgh Rangers, I mean, Washington's getting hot again um, as well. And, I mean, this is there's a lot going on here in the East where almost anyone can walk out of it. The way that the playoff structure is kind of put together, if the playoffs started now, Pittsburgh's playing the Rangers, Tampa's playing Toronto, I mean, you're going to get a couple good teams that are going to be out of it after the first round. So the East is definitely the beast right now. Um, and out West, unless, you know, a couple things fall into place, Calgary could make a, a, bit of, uh, a bit of noise here in the first couple of rounds, but it certainly looks like Colorado is the cream of the crop in the West. And the one thing that does stink about the East, and yes, I said stinks about the East, as I praise the East, because I think there are a bunch of teams that could actually come out and win it. We know the eight teams in the playoffs already. We've got right. 20 games left to go, and it's already cut and dry. The eight teams that are getting in are getting in. What fun is that? Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's just positioning. It's Can Boston right. do enough to beat out Toronto and get the third slot? And do they even want that? I mean, at that point, you're playing most likely Tampa, and either either Tampa or Florida in the first round. Um, and if you're a wild card seed, if you're first or second, it won't matter because you either have the Panthers or the Hurricanes. So, I mean, it, it's, it's maybe just positioning out east. You're right. The eight teams are pretty much solidified. Uh, unless the, the wheels completely fall off the cart for one of these teams in the east and the Islanders don't lose again, then maybe <laughs> the Oscars can get in. But um, it, it looks like pretty much the, the east is, is solidified. And out west, you know what, Jody? I mean, there's Dallas is kind of in there. Vancouver was creeping in, but they're getting pummeled right now by Calgary 5-1 with about nine minutes left in the third period. Um, it, it looks like it's going to come down to, you know, one team trying to sneak in, and that being the right. Dallas Stars, if they can keep things going. Yeah, it's pretty cut and dry so far with the playoffs. East is worse, but you're right. The West, you could probably take a pretty good run at all six teams that are going to be 16 teams that are going to be in the playoffs as of right now. All right, catch me up to date. I should know this. I don't. I know you know it because it's your life. Um, 
when COVID broke out, the NHL did it scrambling like every other sport. And I think they did a hell of a job and had a uh, season that could have been just completely blown up uh, going in the bubble worked for them. Last year, because we were still in a COVID situation, the schedule was shrunken down and you were only playing teams in your division. And and, and I think, again, they did a nice job considering the uh, protocols they were under. This year has been different across the board in all of the sports, but the NHL, uh, like uh, some other sports, have an issue with going across the border and the Canadian uh, rules and regulations different. I know that baseball has come out with a very harsh stance of, hey, if a player isn't vaccinated, they can't go across the border. Well, and if you don't do that, you're not only not going to be eligible, you're going to lose pay, that you're going to be put on a suspended list and we're going to lift a percentage of your paycheck for every game that you miss. Has the NHL just already fought that war and got all the players that they need to take the vaccine? They have more crossing the border than any other sport. Uh, How have they dealt with it all year long? Uh, I believe there is just one current NHL player that is not vaccinated. And uh, Tyler Bertuzzi, it's been well publicized. Um, He's the only one that has not been able to cross over, cross the border for games. So, um, he, he loses his pay for those games that he misses, uh, but he was comfortable with that, and he's good. Everybody else in the league has their whatever is required, or at least their, their two shots or whatnot, to get across the border to play in the Canadian market. Now, for, for the most part, across Canada, things have been – most of the restrictions have been, have been lifted, uh, but in terms of cross-border, it, it, that's still the case right now, and I'm not sure when that's going to be – kind of remedied and that's something between Canada and the U S there, they got to figure that out. But in, in terms of um, the league and the players themselves, there is just one he's on Detroit and it's not going to affect the playoffs because the Red Wings are not going to be making it. So, yeah, then they're, um, they're not making the playoffs. No, no, exactly. So unless they get traded to a playoff team, then they got to figure that out. But um, you know, at this stage, it looks like from the league's perspective, they were able to rejig their schedule and to fit things in over the course of February because they didn't go to the Olympics. So they used that break. To, to play all of their postponed games because of some of the COVID outbreaks earlier on in the year. But it's been smooth sailing since. Uh, the schedule is, is on track to end the season on time. Um, and things are looking good in the National Hockey League to get the playoffs started in May. Very nice. I lied. Now I have one more question. I, I did not realize that they were down to just one player who has not been vaccinated. Yeah. That is surely not the case in the other major sports, NBA, Major League no. Baseball, NHL. Uh, there are a lot that have taken a stand and just don't want to have the uh, shot given to them. Um, opinion. Why do you think the percentage is as high as, as it is in the NHL that their players are more vaccinated than the other sports? I think it, I mean, first of all, there are, uh, I think, 40-some-odd percent of, of the league is Canadian. So um, if they want to go home in the offseason or things like that, they would have had to have gotten the shots at some point uh, in order to cross over or something to that effect. Uh, so I think that played a big factor into a lot of this. The other is, like you said, because of, I mean, this is the league with the most cross-border travel. Yeah. Um, you know, it just made things a lot easier. There were some... A lot of hesitancy and, and reluctance from a lot of the different players that you know, didn't want to do that, but because of you know making their job easier or simpler or whatever in order to get across the border, um, they they decided to do it. So I think that played you know again 
42 or whatever percentage it is of, of athletes from Canada, along with the fact that there's just so much border cross-border travel, I think those all played a big factor. I mean, obviously it was a little bit different in the NBA because the Raptors last season were in Tampa and, and called that home. Yep. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays stayed in the, on, on the U.S. side out of both Dunedin and in Buffalo. Um, different ballpark now because they're going home in Toronto. So um, there wasn't that much of a, of a push because, you know, there was no real cross-border travel at that point. Um, so I think that's one of the reasons and, and some of the reasons why that was such a factor and why the NHL has all but one current NHL player that is not vaccinated. That's why we have David Pagnotti on, because he can give us answers. I appreciate those that you gave me. <laughs> Should be a fun next 30-something hours. Hope we can see another couple big trades. Should be fun for you, David. Thanks so much for hopping on tonight. You got it. Thanks so much for having me, man. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.